Hello and welcome to another edition of Behind Behind the Headlines with Mark Hyman with Ted Remington. Uh, first of all, my apologies for being a bit behind. Uh, what happened is uh, the commentaries for Behind the Headlines uh, with Mark Hyman have not been showing up on the uh, Sinclair News website for the last uh, few weeks. And then suddenly, when I went back to check, uh, a bunch of them suddenly appeared, three or four of them in one fell swoop. So uh, I've been having to wait for the new ones to come out, and finally they have. And so I'll be playing a little bit of catch-up here to see if I can get back up to speed. Anyway, uh, this episode is uh, with Armstrong Williams, who gave another guest commentary sitting in for Mark Hyman. Uh, we met him a couple of episodes ago uh, talking about uh, values, and again, we're going to have another commentary about values. And again, Mr. Williams is talking, uh, it eventually becomes clear, about African Americans, but... As with his last commentary, he lacks the gumption to actually say that directly. We have to infer it and read between the lines, although, frankly, we don't have to read uh, that closely to be able to do it, but we'll see that in a second. And again, you can see that I'm going to be playing around with the format a little bit. Uh, again, I will be having the actual commentary playing as I comment on it, uh, and I'm also using, if you're watching this with video, uh, using... Prezi to help guide my comments a little bit and add some visuals to it, uh, not just rely on my voice. So here we go with the first bit of commentary. Why have Jews achieved so much while other groups facing similar conditions have failed to raise themselves out of poverty? All right, so uh, Williams asks, why have Jews achieved so much while other groups facing similar conditions have failed to raise themselves out of poverty? Okay, well, just from a rhetorical standpoint, the actual technique being used here, you'll probably recognize, is the rhetorical question. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's a time-honored technique in speaking. No problems uh, with the technique in and of itself. The issue here is what groups is Mr. Williams actually talking about? Because if you do a little bit of poking around, you find that, in fact, all ethnic minorities, at least the, the major ones, African Americans, whites, Hispanics, Asians, even as it turns out Native Americans, which I was a little bit surprised by, a plurality of all of these groups are middle class and they are not, in fact, stuck in poverty. So this pitting of Jewish uh, class uh, accomplishments versus other minorities doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I'll, towards the end of our commentary here, uh, we'll talk a little bit more specifically about that. But that's a question that comes up immediately and it's never really explained. He simply draws this dramatic distinction between the accomplishments of Jewish Americans and other to-be-named later minorities. You know, Jews share a deeply ingrained culture of achievement. It doesn't mean Jewish people are above the social ills that plague the rest of society. Their timeless values drive their remarkable showing in every profession. All right, so Mr. Williams as uh, ascribes Jewish success in the United States to their timeless values that drive their remarkable showing in every profession. Well, again, from a rhetorical point of view, we would call this a questionable cause. He's saying that uh, Jewish people have these values and they've succeeded and therefore draws this cause-effect relationship between the two. Even if you grant that both of the premises, the Jewish people have a set of time-honored values and they've been disproportionately successful, to draw a causal connection is a fallacy unless you have more evidence. And if he does, Mr. Williams is not sharing it. Uh, the more troublesome to me is this grotesque generalization. Now you might say, well, wait a minute, he's saying something good about Jewish people. 
that's true. But um, this is a sort of essentializing move that is really sort of part and parcel of bigoted, racist rhetoric. Uh, and even if you are complimenting an entire group, you are thereby essentializing the individuals of that group with having these qualities. Uh, we see this all the time, especially, ironically, with African-American culture. Uh, how many times have you heard people say or, or imply things along the lines of, oh, well, you know, they're a very musical people, uh, as if that's somehow complimenting them when it's actually essentializing the individual accomplishments of members of that group. It's, it's uh, truly grotesque, I think. Conversely, it is the lack of values that drives the continued repression of America's poor minorities. The value of hard and honest work, education, and in striving to create a better life for one's family are considered inconsistent with their culture, a corrosive tendency that prevents meaningful contributions to our country. Conversely, it is the lack of values that drives the continued repression of America's poor minorities. Well, this is a hasty generalization and a questionable cause. Uh, it's obviously a generalization because it's saying that all people who are poor and in a minority, or at least the minority that Mr. Williams is talking about, although he hasn't quite come clean about who he's talking about, um, are have poor values. And again, even if you granted that ridiculous premise, uh, it wouldn't mean that there was a causal connection between the lack of values and the lack of economic uh, uh, success. It might be the other way around. Lack of success leads to poor values. There might be a third cause that causes both of these things. That is a cause behind both the lack of economic success and the lack of values. But again, it's all kind of a moot point because the, the, the fairy generalization he makes that poor, poor minorities have a lack of of, uh, of values is itself ridiculous and unbelievably disturbing. There's another more specific issue here, which is the word repression. I'm not quite sure what Williams means by this. Um, he says a lack of values continues, uh, causes the continued repression of these people. I'm not sure if he means oppression, self-oppression. Usually repression is something that's done by one party to another. Uh, in this case, he seems to be implying that it's something that these, again, nameless poor minorities are doing to themselves. But it's not clear. I think it's just a, a real, just flat misuse of this word. I don't think, to quote the Princess Bride, I don't think that word means what he thinks it means. Despite the passage of time and expansion of opportunity, minorities still bear the spiritual wounds of their captivity. Despite the passage of time and expansion of opportunity, minorities still bear the spiritual wounds of their captivity. Here, I just want to point out to uh, to everyone the obvious thing here, the key word captivity, which lets us know that, of course, he's talking about African Americans. Again, as with his last commentary that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, he doesn't have the, the guts to come out and say that. It's just uh, implied sort of uh, in this kind of sideways manner in the in the discussion. It's one thing to be bound together by a shared struggle that lends people strength in times of crisis, but reveling in shared oppression only frustrates future progress. Okay, reveling in shared oppression. Well, uh, the question that comes to my mind is, well, who's doing the reveling and what counts as reveling exactly? Uh, again, Mr. Williams says nothing about this. What does that mean to revel? Uh, and... If you define it, what, what, 
in what way are African Americans reveling in oppression more than the Jewish people are? Uh, obviously, uh, a big part of the Jewish culture is to acknowledge the centuries, indeed the millennia of oppression that they've had to go through. I mean, Passover itself, the religious ho the religious uh, holiday, is in fact a a commemoration of oppression. So in what way are African Americans, quote unquote, reveling, if that's the term, in their oppression any more than Jewish people would be? Uh, to say that either group is reveling in their oppression is frankly ridiculous. And even if you said that it was ridiculous, why one group doing it is more ridiculous than another group is something that, again, Mr. Williams simply leaves on the table with no explanation. I do not profess to have all of the answers to why there is such a disparity in achievement between ethnic groups in America. But I know from my own experience that achievement starts with an aspiration to be great. And to do that, you have to let go of the past. This I love. You have to let go of the past. Well, uh, this is what we would call in rhetoric an appeal to consequences of belief. Mr. Williams says, well, because I believe this and I've succeeded, that means that it must be true, that, that this belief leads to success. So that's a, that's a fallacy of reasoning. But more than that, there's this internal contradiction in the actual commentary, right? Here he says you have to let go of the past, but earlier we saw that he made a big deal about the timelessness of Jewish culture. Uh, he, in fact, ascribing uh, Jewish success to their ties to these values that they've had throughout history. So again, it's this internal contradiction where on one hand he says you have to let go of the past, uh, but at the same time he says, look, um, uh, Jewish people owe their success to this long-standing set of values that they've pulled on uh, throughout the course of history. Beyond that, this question about, you know, he doesn't know why Jewish people have succeeded more than other people. Well, let's give him some possible explanations. Now, obviously, as we just got done saying, uh, the Jewish people have been victims of uh, oppression and repression for eons. Uh, for, for millennia going back to, to ancient Egypt. But when it comes to America, they have not, as African Americans have been, brought to America in chains. They haven't been bought and sold as slaves. Uh, they haven't had their family systems systematically broken up by the system of slavery. And they haven't been subject to systematic and legal segregation uh, until just barely a generation ago, the way African Americans have. Given that it's within the living memory of someone who's middle-aged back when uh, African-Americans were not even allowed to vote and not allowed to go to certain restaurants or stay in certain hotels, it is in fact fairly amazing that the differences in class aren't greater than they in fact are. In 2009, in fact, the black poverty rate, the poverty rate of black households was at 23.5%. For all households, it was 13%. Uh, the middle class, of black households were 38.4%. 38.4% of black households were middle class. Compare that to the 43.7% of all households in the United States in 2009. Now, those differences are statistically significant. They're relevant. They should be looked into. We should do what we can to alleviate those differences and drop poverty across the board, and particularly in those areas where it's been most damaging. However, those differences are actually relatively slight given if you grant the premise that Mr. Williams is basing his whole commentary on. 
which is that poor African-American culture has, has caused this uh, self-fulfilling prophecy of poverty. In fact, most African-Americans are middle class. Probably most uh, middle class African-Americans partake in more or less the same culture as those in poverty. So this this easy ascribing of this one variable, lack of values to uh, increase poverty rates among quote-unquote minorities, again, we know now that he's talking about African-Americans, is frankly a bit ridiculous. Then, of course, this rings up the issue of what has Armstrong Williams himself achieved. Again, he holds himself up as this example of someone who has uh, made a goal of being great and has done his best to achieve that by letting go of the past, yada, yada, yada. But as we mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago when dealing with his last commentary, Mr. Williams' claim to fame most recently has been selling himself out, prostituting his services to the Bush administration uh, in this sort of payola scheme where he wrote glowing editorials about the wonders of No Child Left Behind and was paid by the Bush administration to do it. Given that this is what he's most widely known for, that emperor's uh, generally Quisling-esque kind of uh, attitude towards the African-American community, uh, one that he's, he's held for a long time now, um, it is a ridiculous for him to hold himself up as this sort of paragon of virtue and success, in my humble opinion. But then again, that is just my, my, my opinion. Maybe it's not yours, but I invite you to at least consider that possibility. All right, so that's it for Behind the Headlines with uh, Mark Hyman with Ted Remington, and I will ask Eric to take us out once more. <laughs>